Hey friends, welcome to the Confetti Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hinshaw. I believe that picture books open the magic for all readers. Today, open your heart and let all the book feels in. It's going to be so much fun. Let's open the magic. Hey friend. Oh my gosh. So I don't know about you, but I am loving all graphic t-shirts, graphic sweatshirts. And hey, did you know I actually have one for Open the Magic or Picture Books for My Jam? I pretty much live in my pink one all fall and winter. And I'd love for you to get on the train with me. So all you have to do is pop over to my Magic Wear shop and you can get there by typing in bit.ly backslash capital R capital R Magic Wear. Again, that is B-I-T dot L-Y backslash capital R, capital R, MagicWare. Let's open the magic together while being stylish. Yay! Welcome to another episode of Confetti Moments. I am so glad you're here today. On today's episode, I get a chance to sit down with Katie Addis of Little Slices of Lit. We are going to talk about high school, and y'all get this. We're going to talk about high school and using picture books. I know my heart is so full because you know, I think picture books are for everybody. You are in for a bookful treat. Without further ado, welcome, Katie. Thanks, Courtney. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you. And a little backstory about Katie I actually met her, and I didn't know I met her. But I realized that I met her in my elementary office when she was there doing interviews for a, uh, a new school that was opening in our district. And so we like figured it out one night on Instagram and it was kind of awesome. I know. So fun to reconnect. And I knew that I had some reason, some connection to you. Your aura was just so sweet and friendly. And I mean, that must have been one of the reasons why I just felt connected to you because we had met, you know years before. That's so fun. That's so fun. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. Well, I am first and foremost, a mom. So picture books are a huge part of my life for the last six years. So I have three kids, a six-year-old daughter who has been having a blast with virtual kindergarten this year. Have you had a blast with virtual kindergarten this year? Well, I say it a little bit facetiously, but yeah, I mean, she and I both, it's been a, it's been a party. Um, let's just say that, um, a four-year-old son who I've, I like to call it lightly homeschooled. He's in pre-K right now. And then I just had a baby in December. So by the time this releases, um, he'll be five months old. Oh my gosh. So you're a mom of three. That's so exciting. I know. And I've been married to my husband for 10 years. We met back in college. And uh, as far as career goes, I taught high school English for seven years. So I started back in 2008. And then when I became a mom, I stepped back a little bit and out of the classroom for a while, but I was still involved in the field of education, just in different capacities. Like when I met Courtney, I had signed on as a brand new staff member for a high school that was opening up in our district. And then I found out I was pregnant with my second son 
and never actually got to fully teach at that school that we had. Yeah, I never, I never actually got to teach there, but I had spent an entire year as an opening staff member uh, planning what the school would be like, the vision, the philosophy, some curriculum. It was an amazing opportunity. Oh my gosh. That is like the best story ever. That is crazy. I did not know that. Yes. And so since then though, I have kept my foot in the door as an English tutor and then recently starting my bookstagram account has really tapped into um, all the loves of my life, motherhood, education, books, English, all of the above. So that's a little bit about me. That's so awesome. Isn't it just like, like books are just so magical and like, I love my Instagram space too. And it's so fun to get to share something you're so passionate about. And then others are so passionate about it too. It just like makes your heart so happy. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about picture books today. So I love to always ask my guests, why do they think picture books are so important? Well, I want to comment on the whole magic that you talk about and is a theme on your page and in your life. It's so funny because um, that is not, or I should say that's a very common way to talk about picture books specifically is in this sort of magic way. And that language, the magic and enchantment and entrancing are words that are often used to describe picture books when I, I, I'm a, I'm a total nerd, obviously love, love to geek out on, um, even reading about reading. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so a lot of those books use that language when talking about picture books, like the enchanted hour by Megan Cox Gurdon. Um, I'm reading this new book called reading magic by Mem Fox. Have you heard of that one? No, and I need it right now. Okay. My men box, I'm all about. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I it's just, I would start there. They're just, they truly do um, open the magic, as you like to say. And what I love about them is they meet you where they, where you are. So they speak to every situation, whether you are a brand new baby and just enjoying the bright pictures and illustrations, or you are a mom guiding that baby through life. Um, I mean, picture books speak to the joys and struggles and new experiences, old experiences. They just truly speak to every situation. Um, And then, and then they just make kids fall in love with reading, hopefully for a lifetime right? Oh gosh, hopefully for a lifetime. I'm sitting here laughing, thinking I love talking with other book people because you guys, you, gosh, my mother would be so upset if she heard me say you guys, cause she taps me on the wrist when I say you guys stuff or things. Um, what are you supposed mom, to say? Um, I supposed to like explain it. So like, you don't say like, Oh, go get your stuff. It's like, go get your shoes or whatever. Like my mom, but my mom is an English teacher too, everybody. So Katie gets it. But I feel like I always learn so many new words from book people and English teachers because your vocabulary is so vast. And not that mine's not. I just love how listening to you speak. It's so great. That's so funny. Yeah. So speaking of readers and kids loving books, what were you like as a reader growing up? 
I would say I was a pretty avid reader, but then, you know, you get into a space like the bookstagram space who uh, those accounts, they aim to read literally hundreds of books in a year. But with picture books, what I love is that that is actually an attainable number. Uh, so I would, you know, I, I say that I was an avid reader, um, but, you know, who knows? It's, it's all relative, right? But, but I do have very fond memories of the library, specifically summers at the library. And also another summer reading memory was when I was up at my grandparents' house. They lived in the sticks, total boonies, nothing to do there other than like play horseshoes and read books. So they had this little mini record player I mean, this is a throwback to, you know, I guess how old my grandparents were, a little mini record player. And my brother and I would sit there and we would listen to books on record. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just um, have such nostalgia when I think of that experience reading. You know, it just has burned, uh, burned a memory in my mind forever. Um, and then I guess one other thing I would say about reading as a kid is I loved, I loved all the books where kids were on their own and had to feed themselves and make decisions for themselves. Like I loved books that involved those types of things. So boxcar children. That's exactly what I thought of. Yes. Yeah. Island of the Blue Dolphins. Yes. James and the Giant Peach. I don't really so much remember if James needed to feed himself. I haven't reread that in adulthood, but just the the food imagery. I just, I really wanted a peach after I um, read that book. I have to tell you, I've actually never read James and the Giant Peach. I think I need to add it to my list. Yeah, Reading Magic and James and the Giant Peach. I think you have some some homework. I do. Oh my gosh. I know. I just got this. I'm I'm recording this where I can see Katie, but obviously you all can't see Katie, but I just got this book. It's called Starfish. And I'm really excited about it because it's about a little girl who was bullied because of her weight. And I was bullied because of my weight as a kid. And so I'm really excited to get to like have a confetti moment as I read that. Yes. I saw you post about that. Now, is that a middle grade fiction book? It is. So um, it's probably for maybe sixth grade and up. I'm not sure. Once I read it, I will um, share about it. Yeah, sure about it more. Oh my gosh, that's so great. So, oh my gosh, I wanted to ask, did you grow up in California or did you grow I up somewhere else? I did. Yeah, I grew up in Southern California in LA County. Oh, now okay. I'm in Orange County. I didn't say that when I talked about myself, but yeah, Courtney and I actually um, live fairly close to each other. We do. <laughs> yeah, in, in a non-pandemic situation, we maybe could have done this in person. I know. Oh gosh. Oh. One day, one day, yeah, one day. All right. So here's where I'm like so pumped to talk to you because so many people are like, oh, well, that book's only meant for four-year-olds or that book's only meant for eight-year-olds. And like, we are here to demit that, debunk that myth. And how are picture books relevant to high school students? Take it away, Katie. Okay. Well, first off, I would like to say that I underutilized picture books. And if I were to ever go back into the high school classroom, I would use them more. I would absolutely use them more. So um, I'm going to go back to where I started, where I said picture books meet you where you are. So the thing, 
another special thing about picture books is there's obviously the basic storyline and plot, but oftentimes if it's not, uh, you know, like a silly rhythmic one for preschoolers, but even, even in those, oftentimes there's a very sophisticated subtext or thematics that are for a, a more mature audience that, you know, young children are going to get one thing out of it, but introduce it to older kids and they're going to take something far different from it than if they were little kids. And that, that goes really for even texts that they're presented with in high school. You know, you read A Tale of Two Cities in high school and feel one way about it. Hopefully you love it. <laughs> That's maybe not the case for, uh, let's say, ninth grade freshmen. But then you read that as an adult later in life and you feel completely different about it. You, you take so many different things from it. So um, the same goes for picture books. So I think you can use picture books in so many different ways. They can be instructional. They can be inspirational for your reluctant or struggling readers or kids who really love to be artistic and express themselves through drawing or through creative writing. You can use picture books as uh, mentor texts for that type of expression. And then they can, I think most importantly, be nostalgic and tap into memories. Hopefully they have memories of reading picture books as a kid. Um, it's, it's never too late, as, as Megan Cox Gurdon in The Enchanted Hour says, it's never too late to dip into what she calls the cultural treasury. So there are, there are I know, how much do you love that? Cultural I treasury. I love that a lot. Oh, there are so many books that are alluded to in classic literature. And so when the kids uh, are reading, you know, the, the classic text that you do in high school, a lot of times stuff flies over their head if they haven't had a foundation of nursery rhymes and um, Greek myths. And um, I mean, the list, the list goes on and on. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, the vaster, the vaster their cultural treasury, um, the, the more, e the easier it is to spot those illusions. And um, it, it just makes for a richer reading experience all around. I think that's like such a great statement that you made because, you know, we both teach in a district where a lot of our students, their first um, experience into fairy tales is with us. Like they don't know them. Like we just did a fairy tale unit and many of my kids were like, we don't know these, like three little pigs. We were doing a compare and contrast. And they were like, we don't know this. So we like, I got my picture book out and I read it to them. And then they were totally able to do the assignment, but they didn't have the background knowledge. Right. That was yeah. an eye-opening experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and actually to that point, um, I mean, obviously I am speaking from the context of pulling from the sort of, I guess, Western tradition, um, cultural treasury, but but I think, but I think to maybe even extend beyond that and pull from um, a global sort of cultural treasury, mm -hmm. um, 
it would be interesting too. Yeah, I know. And this is kind of not what we're talking about, but it kind of is. So last summer I really went through all my picture books and I was like, okay, like, what am I representing? What do I have? And I realized like I had a lot of books that like I loved, but like my students weren't represented. And so this school year I have done so much like research about books, about Asian cultures, Middle Eastern cultures. And I read to them the eyes that kiss in the corners. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yes. Yes. Amazing. And like, I had a little girl, like literally, like she was like glued to the book. Like, well, can I, can I read that? Can I, can I touch it? And I was like, honey, you know me and my touching of books. I will let you look at it, but I'm going to hold it. Anyways, that's another whole different conversation. Yeah. But, like she found herself and she yeah. felt like it was the most amazing experience. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. More questions. So what are some ways, I know you said you kind of under utilize them, but when you did utilize them, how did you incorporate picture books with your high school students' lessons? Yeah, so I'll give some specific examples. So pre-reading or post-reading for, um, I, for poetry and for Shakespeare, I, I would use it pre-reading. So how those two connect, um, it's, it's all about getting them to practice meter and be able to identify the rhythm of the spoken word. And of course, Shakespeare, everything was meant to be spoken. Um, but if they can master or if they can become proficient with rhythm of something easy and meter of something easy, then it was an easier leap to identifying and practicing meter in Shakespeare or in poetry. So I like to introduce some, some fun. uh, Now this was in the days when Dr. Seuss was more of a, um, a celebrated figure. I know he's come um, under fire rightfully so for some of his uh racist texts so but before we knew about that before i knew about that dr seuss was an easy one to go to for uh poetry and and shakespeare just because of the the rhyme and rhythm of his verse right so um then another specific way that I used, so I used this with middle schoolers, actually. I didn't talk about, for several years, I used to teach in an after-school academy where I worked with seventh through 12th graders. Well, with some middle schoolers, this was also pre-reading for poetry. Um, I used the book, This Is Not a Valentine. Yes. Yes, and I taught it as though it were a poem to get them practicing figurative devices, identifying metaphor, symbol. I can't remember if simile is, was one that was in their imagery. Um, and what was so fun specifically about imagery was, you know, you're looking at the images while also seeing those images described. So it is the literal show not tell experience. Oh, that's great. Uh, and then we would practice theme. So literary analysis, 
writing on theme with that book. But it, but it was, again, if they're practicing a new skill, the new skill would be writing on theme or, you know, identifying figurative devices. It's hard to do that in a really obscure text or a text that is more complex. Mm -hmm. So to take a tougher skill that they've never done before or haven't become proficient um, in a particular skill, an easier, more engaging, um, eye-catching text is often, you know, a key to success and definitely a key to their enjoyment and um, engagement. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you an English teacher question. I was looking at my phone to make sure I knew the answer before I popped quizzed you. Okay. Do you know when William Shakespeare's birthday is? Oh my goodness. I mean, I know it was in the 1500s, um, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, gosh, no. Was he a summer baby? What, what season was he born in? Spring. Spring. Oh my goodness. Is his birthday today? No, but it's on the 24th. The 24th. Okay. And I did passed away on the 23rd of April many years later or whatever. How many hours? Right. Oh, okay. That is a fun fact. I have a family member that, um, whose birthday is on April 24th. So I'm going to have to tell her about that. Fun. Yeah. That's she's, so fun. she's twinning it up with him. Yeah. Oh, Leonardo da Vinci, his birthday was April 15th. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Now you need this information for your life. Lots okay. of famous spring babies. Yes. All right. So let's kind of move away from being a high school teacher to being a mom. How have you helped foster a love for reading during the pandemic? That has been hard at first until I discovered this whole realm of possibility with Instagram. Honestly, I never knew I had been on Instagram but I had never known how many accounts out there devoted their time and energy to books in general and then picture books specifically. Um, so yeah, because our library was shut down, I want to say completely for a couple months. Absolutely. And then it became open gradually for curbside and then months later, I could go in and peruse like a smaller section of the library. But for those, for those months, for those early months, and, and again, a little bit of background, we would go to the library sometimes multiple times a week. Like our, li the, our library was a happy place for us. Oh my gosh. Um, do you go you to the library by your house? Yes, I do. Oh, that's a good one. It's a great one. It's such a great one. Yes. We know the children's librarian very well. She's sweet. Yeah. So um, it was hard and very, very sad. And it, my kids weren't going to school. And so, so many things, and I know everybody can relate to this. So many things were pulled away from us. And it was like the carpet was literally ripped from beneath us in so many ways of life. But um, so honestly, Bookstagram, as we like to call it, was a huge saving grace. And then I learned, oh, and then also I tapped into a lot of homeschool mom accounts yes. to look at different curriculums that they were using. And I love, this is another like nerdy book lover thing, but I just love perusing book lists. 
you know, so like this, this curriculum uses this book list and this curriculum uses that book list. And I just love mining those lists for just providing my children or my tutoring students with a broader base to pull from and, and to experience. Have you so, heard of mild high, mile high reading? No. Is that? Oh my gosh. So a website. At, at, yes. At my check it out event last weekend, one of the gals shared about it and it's a gentleman. Um, his name is Dylan and his last name's T E U T. And he is on a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, what are they called? The committees for like ILA, blah, blah, blah. Well, he puts out lists and lists of new books that are coming out. Katie, oh my gosh. Like I try to go on it and I go on for like 10 minutes and then I have to tap out because it's like so many great books to look at, but it's like, his like 20 lists. Oh, wow. Only on list four right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Now when you go through this list, are you pulling books as you go through the list or I will make a note of like, Oh, I want to get that one. Or, Oh, I'm going to put that on my, like, I want to read it, but I'm going to wait. That's like kind of what I do. Oh, okay. Now. And these are all new releases or coming or soon. Oh, or coming soon. It's oh, okay. Intense. It's intense. Nice. Wow. I'm totally going to have to check that out. Yes. Your husband's going to be like, um, it's time for dinner. And you're like, Oh, Sorry, I'm still looking at the list. But like, honey, go, go to Old Navy and buy your 4th of July shirt. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. I agree. I mean, trying to, I can't, I give my hats off to you, to my sister, you know, trying to figure out how to help the kids during the pandemic, how to keep them loving for reading. I was so thankful that so many authors and illustrators let us read books online to our kids because I mean, that's like all we had. And I was so thankful that I had my books here, but so many teachers, their books were in their classrooms. And so right. it's tough, but um, right. I really feel like the book community came together during the pandemic and really tried to support each other, which was so wonderful to see. Yes, absolutely. And we did try Epic for the first time. Have you, I'm sure you're oh. no stranger to Epic. Yes. I love, yeah. love me some Epic. That's so yeah. great. So talk a little bit more about Little Slices of Lit. When did you start? Um, who inspired you? Tell me all the things about your account. Okay. Well, what started it really was just um, a little flame that had been burning, I feel like for several years now, but I just kind of mustered up the courage and got the guts during the pandemic. But I often would want to share things that I was doing with the kids instructionally at home or how we were building literacy into our lives, just in the simple moments of everyday life or what I was reading to the kids or what I was reading myself. But I didn't so much feel that my personal account friends and family would be so interested in that. I, I don't know how much engagement uh, they would have given me, <laughs> how much airtime. Uh, but uh, so when I, when I discovered that there could be an opportunity to do, to dedicate an entire account to books and literacy, I thought, oh, well, why not, um, why not just do it? You know, no time like the present. There's, there's no time for not having the courage to do something that you want to. Love so that. I started it back. Um, I want to say, gosh, maybe in October. 
Okay. Of 2020. So I kind of waited, um, like I didn't start immediately when the pandemic hit, although I probably, I probably should have, I would have had, um, I think a lot more time on my hands now that I have three, I, I have limited time, three kids that is, um, but on my page, not only do I talk about literacy and books, but it's also my way of doing two other things. One talking about topics of motherhood. So again, picture books, meeting you where you are. There's not a, a picture book that I read where I don't reflect on my own experience as a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, it's for me an entry point into my own processing of life as a mom, uh, life as a woman, um, life as a biracial person. I mean, just so all the topics of my life, picture books hit. So, um, so there's that. And then, and then the last thing is sort of selfish. I absolutely use it as kind of a, a journal of my kids' lives. Of that. Because book reading is such a huge component of my parenting philosophy and my parenting practice. And so it's so fun to see through these little posts, oh, well, that's what, you know, his interests were at the time. And that's uh, a struggle that she was having during this other time. And, oh, this is a struggle that I was having. And so I talked about it with this picture book. So it's just an awesome snapshot of our lives. Oh my gosh, I love that. So well, so well put. So speaking of like struggles and like what advice can you give teachers and parents to open the magic in their homes and classrooms for kids who love reading, but also kids who don't like reading? Yeah, I I would say one one promising recipe is to just mix it up constantly. Just mix it up, whether it be uh, rotating books, which I know is a very trendy thing to do, um, or same books, but breathing new life into them by putting them in a different physical space or, uh, mixing up the reading experience itself. So maybe the kid, um, who is a little reluctant to read or doesn't really enjoy it, maybe get them in a different space, in a different context with a different group of people, with a different reader or, with audio, um, an audio component, a component along with the physical text. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just say throw everything at the wall and see what works for those kids. Um, I had a, a college TA my freshman year who on the final day of this is, this was for my humanities core course on the final day she was, you know, saying her goodbyes and, and her parting advice was, um, just read anything and everything. She said, do not let people tell you that, you know, frivolous sounding, fluffy sounding magazines are not advancing you as a reader. Don't let them tell you that, um, you know, your iPhone manual is not, deemed, you know, appropriate reading or whatever, like just read anything and everything. And I would say that is something that I often tell 
uh, parents of my tutoring students, many of them uh, think that what their kids gravitate towards is not worthy of time yes. or attention. You know, like, um, I mean, of course, Dogman is a very, very popular text in, in elementary school, but then you get into middle school and high school and they love the graphic novels. They love mong manga. Am I saying that right, Courtney? I think it's manga. I don't know. Manga. My was talking about it the other day and I was like, wait, what? Okay. okay. Yes. They love manga, but then parents see that they see word bubbles and maybe not a lot of text on a page and they dismiss it as, um, well, that's not going to teach my kid anything. So, but, but that's not true. Absolutely. It's not true at all. Right. So, so that's what I would, um, would say is just as a word of encouragement, reading is reading is reading. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of a story earlier, you were talking about how, you know, one book can mean something to a high schooler versus one book can mean to a younger one. So my yeah. nephew, he is in third grade. And when he was in first grade, I read to him the word collector by Peter Reynolds. And he's like, Oh, that's a nice book. Like, okay. Like he didn't, he didn't get it. And then I read it that week to my class and we had this amazing conversation about how a small word could mean something big and connotation and denotation. And it was like such a good conversation. But when I read it with my nephew, he was like, mm, that's great. <laughs> so it's like right there is that best example to tell parents, like, doesn't matter what kind of book it is, they're learning something from it. Right, right. And for your nephew, if it didn't click the first time, you know, maybe a couple of years from now, or maybe a couple of years back, maybe it would have, or, you know, who knows, Exactly. but you, you never want to write it off as, um, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't like that book. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like, even with my own children, they are kind of skeptical of new books. Like I sometimes just have to start reading a book. They didn't necessarily grab it, but without a doubt, they always come, you know, walking over and, and curious about what's happening. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So I have to know what has been your favorite book you've read this year? All right. So life has gotten in the way of my reading. I've been in a little bit of a reading slump, um, not to mention, you know, the baby in December. So I've been a little sleep deprived and haven't had so much time for reading, but um, what has get what has gotten me out of my fiction reading slump is I'm currently listening to Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Yes. Have you read that one? Um, I have not, but I've heard of it. Okay, so it is so good. Have you have you heard of the Rosie Project? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, the, it kind of has some vibes of the Rosie Project and a vibe here and there of Bridget Jones's diary. Got it. Okay. Like at least in the beginning, she has some, some awkward episodes that the main character does, Eleanor, uh, that kind of reminded me of some scenes from Bridget Jones's diary. So I, I would describe it as, um, it's either a humorous book lined with sadness 
or kind of a sad book lined with humor. Okay. I haven't quite decided which which one it exactly is. Well, you'll have to get back to us when you finish. Okay. Yes. I'm loving it though. So that's getting me out of my reading slump. I love that. Okay. Two last questions that I ask every guest that comes on Confetti Moments. So the first one is, what is your all-time favorite picture book that gave you a confetti moment? This is, of course, such a hard question, but I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, so I'll, I'll be quick about it. I would have to say Richard Scary, Cars and Trucks and Things That Go. Yes. Okay, I have to know why. I know it's a quick question, but I need to know why. That's so <laughs> random. <laughs> well, from when I was a little child, like, I could, I could not get over how fun the pick cars were the banana cars I mean they were just so fun I, I I just loved them so much I always looked forward as a little child reading through that book and just going through the pictures and flipping the pages it was such a good one for me oh that's so great what picture book can you not wait to come out in 2021 or 2022 I'm very excited about Aaron Slater Illustrator. Yes. Okay. That's so funny you say that because I just did a podcast this morning and she said the same book. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's for, I don't think it's available for pre-order yet. No. It's they not. showed us too soon and now we have to wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited though because you know, Iggy Peck and Rosie Revere are huge hits in my house. And then we just actually um, have bumped up to the chapter book series. So we have the Sophia Valdez. Yes. Yes. And so we haven't yet read it, but um, that's on our, that's on our list. It's on our bookshelf. That's so fun. Well, Katie, where can my Confetti Moments listeners find you so they can continue learning all of the good things from you? So I am on Instagram primarily, and my account is Little Slices of Lit. I love it. I love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on Confetti Moments today. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me, Courtney. This was so fun. Hey, teachers. How are you? I am just so thankful that you have been listening to the Confetti Moments podcast It is something that I love to do. I love to share my love of picture books and books and the love of teachers with all of you. And you know what I would love as well is, hey, why don't you share this podcast with another friend to spread the magic with them and leave a comment. Let teachers know, what do you love about this podcast? What do you want me to share more of? I would love to hear from you. All you have to do is go on to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. Thanks so much. And as always, open the magic. Thank you so much for tuning into the Confetti Moments podcast. I hope each story or tip you heard today brings the love of reading into your heart. Take this confetti and sprinkle it all over the children in your classroom or home. See you back here next Monday to open the magic.